Hello, White Rabbit. With whom are you talking today? Today I'm talking again with Yeteke, the team lead of the lower elementary and upper elementary groups at CASA. In the second part of this deep dive episode on the subject of benchmarking children's progress, Yeteke goes into the details of standardized testing in upper elementary, how children are prepared for their transition to secondary school, and recommendations for choosing a high school for your child. Enjoy! Yeah, let's focus now on upper elementary because I know that there are expectations about, well, if depending on, on the results of this test, the, the level of education that my child will have access to is going to be different. And overall, I, I have the impression that it could be stressful for parents and for children because they, they see this as a very important milestone. Mm-hmm. So could you clarify this? How this test is being performed in upper elementary? Who is having this final vote on what is the level that the child is going to go, mm-hmm. etc.? Yes. So as you mentioned, in lower elementary, as a parent, maybe you have never really heard any test scores or and so on. Now, in upper elementary, we give a little bit more insight in that to the children. And because children are older, they usually also share that with the parents because they're interested. And usually during report meetings, we also... Um, uh, tell the parents, you know, we have done the comprehensive reading test or uh, spelling test and this is what your child is sl- showing. You know, we see progression in this, so we're, we're on track with your child. Or hey, we're a little bit worried, you know, we need to put a little bit in- more input in this. So we give, um, we provide the parents with as much as information as we can on that on those areas because we know that parents start to think a little bit more ahead towards the high school. So usually in upper elementary we just give them those those scores. Keep reminding them, this is just a small part of your child. Remember, there's this yeah. other, other huge part that is very important. So over the, the last three years in CASA, they still get the same tests as they were having in lower elementary. And at the end, in the whole country, you need to do an, an end test. That is just a mandatory thing. We use the same company for that. So the questions, are, the children are already used to it. Um, These tests are being done in April, which is interesting because you need to sign up for high school in March. So you might wonder, how is that possible? (laughs) Well, uh, the good thing is in the Netherlands, they still think that the knowledge of the guides is more important than an assessment on a test. So what they let you do is the school over the years is observing the child, is assessing the child maybe on certain skills. And then the guides together decide, we think that this high school level fits this child the best. And they base that on a lot of observations, on the personality of the child, on how they perceive new things, on their speed of working, on their collaboration, and also on how are they doing on technical reading or comprehensive reading or math. And that whole total view of the child, that determines what the advice that we give to the parent. So what you are telling is that, yes, your child could be very good in the test on, you know, arithmetic and comprehensive reading, but perhaps he doesn't have the social or uh, character skills that he needs to handle certain level. Yes. And we have these conversations with the children already in their pre-graduate year. Um, we actually really try to make clear to them, 
yes, maybe you are showing a very high, you know, fluency in comprehensive reading or in math. However, we also see that when you encounter a problem, you go away from it. So we start having reflective meetings with the children and say, you know, when you go to high school, this is something you need to start improving and you have to start practicing this now. Um, because the potential of the child m might be high, but then they also need to do the developmental personal work right. to go there. Now, we really try to aim as high as possible with the child. So if we think the potential is there, even though he hasn't maybe developed all those soft skills that, that he needs to, we really still try to say, you know, please go and try it. Try that level. You might struggle, but at least give it a try. And luckily in the Netherlands, a lot of high schools have mixed levels. So you might be able to go to a MAVO-HAVO class or a HAVO-VAVO class. And it gives you a little bit more extra time for a child to develop maybe those soft skills or those social skills that you also need right. besides math or language. So uh, what is this mixed level HAVO, MAVO? Can you make an overview for, especially for the expats in our mm. community, what are these levels and, and what is a mixed level then? How does it look like in a high school? Yeah, so in the Netherlands, uh, the high schools are sort of divided in three groups. You have uh, VMBO and VMBO is also divided in three groups and uh, one has more practical subjects and then becomes a little bit more theoretical. So the, the, the third level of VMBO, we sometimes call that MAVO. Okay. So it's the same word. So you, sometimes you see VMB, VMBO theoretical or you see MAVO, it's like pretty much the same. Then the other level that we have is HAVO and then the last level that we have is VBO. Yeah. Some schools, they offer all the levels. Some schools, they're specialized in VMBO. Some schools are specialized in HAVO, VBO. And, but most schools offer at least one year, and what I think is better, two or even three years of those mixed classes. So then the MAVO and HAVO students are together. And then for a child who's 12 years old, um, has time to you know develop maybe skills that he needs in high school that he hasn't been able to show or he was still too young especially boys they are usually a little bit late later bloomers but also for girls if you're 12 years old what do you really know about the world or about yeah, yourself right. you know you just started that journey but the first three years in half of video the curriculum is is the same for everyone and right. in mavo it's the first two years it's the same um what the mixed level is more more means is that uh, you might have a child who maybe has a potential to go to MAVO and maybe you have a child whose potential is maybe to go to HAVO, but they're still in the same class. And, you know, you, n you don't know what's happening in high school, how the child is developing as a, as a, in his puberty. And maybe the child who had a MAVO advice actually, you know, is really picking up the speed and, and, and progresses into the HAVO class. Or the other way around, maybe the HAVO student realizes that he loves to put more effort in his sports or in his hobbies or he wants to he's really like i really want to become um like um a hairdresser just yeah. something and and or or i want to be able to to nurse babies or something then they go into that path so everything is still open and the longer you delay that the better yeah i would say yeah i completely agree on that 
So then what happens with this final test? test that's a, yeah, it's a good question. So uh, uh, like I said, the guides are giving the advice for the high school and we uh, then, then the children go to high school to sign themselves up in March already. And then in April, they are doing this end test where they test on spelling and technical reading and comprehensive reading and math. Um, and if the test score is higher than the advice that the school gave, then the parents and the guides can still talk to each other and sometimes then the advice is being upgraded. Right. So, for example, if a child maybe had an advice to go to HAVO and in his test he comes out as a VBO student, then we could talk to the parents and say, you know, maybe he can better go to this level. It doesn't really happen very often at CASA because we're already aiming very high for the children and we like to give them always the benefit of the doubt or the chance to, you know, go and see what he can do. And very often a child is already going to a mixed class anyway. So if you ever have a HAVO advice or a VBO advice, you still end up in the same class. Right. But it sometimes happens in, in other parts of the country or in other schools, they might be a little bit less progressive in the advice that they give. Yeah. a little bit more careful and then they tend to underestimate the children it doesn't surprise me that you're saying this because so far the interaction i had with the guides in the podcast and you know in the school mm. you love the children so much i mean seriously you guys just see the potential so much yes it's the potential we want we want to give them the world and we want to give them what what exactly. what they deserve and for every child that's different yeah but uh, yeah, we really try to talk with them and uh, prepare them for that and give them insight in that. So that's why in upper elementary, we already have these discussions with the children and with the parents. Yeah. Uh, and it's not about going for the highest. It is going for your child's, what for him or he, her is the best. Yeah. I also wonder, uh, because there are these transitions from children's house, lower elementary, upper elementary, and then you change mentor. The final mentor is the one that is going to give the final decision, but she has to perhaps talk to the, the lower elementary mentor to exchange, you know, this, how is the status of the child, etc. So I think that the whole progression of the child is being shared when you move from one level to the next. So how does this work from lower and upper elementary? Mm, it's a good, it's a nice topic that you bring this up. Um, there might be a little bit of a misconception about the role of the mentor uh, with parents. The mentor is not the all overall seer and, um, um, well, let's say it this way. The mentor is not who's making the child. The child is making himself and is progressing. And the mentor's task is mostly to reflect with the child and to communicate with the parents. But the work is being done with all the guides and the guides together communicate about all the children all the time. So it's never one guide who is the mentor of the child at that moment, who is determining all, determining all these things. And that's why sometimes the next year you might have a new mentor because it gives you some new perspective and the child maybe has another conversation with this mentor because the mentor asks different questions. So the mentor is just a tool for us as CASA to communicate with parents and for us to divide the tasks among the classroom. And uh, yes, the mentor 
of the child, the current mentor of the child gives information to the new mentor of the child. That is the, the, that is the way we do it. So from children's house to lower, upper, lower elementary and from lower to upper elementary. But that mentor then shares all that information with the other guides because we need to know everything from every child as much as we can, of course. Yeah. Um, so then if you go to upper elementary, the child at that moment has a mentor. Maybe the next year he has another mentor. And then those mentors together, the guides from the classroom together, make a decision on what do we think is the best high school for the children. And, and often I'm also sitting into that those sessions because I maybe also have something to, you know, to contribute or not. Um, so together they decide and sometimes when they're doubting they even ask their colleagues who maybe give the Kanyer training or so it, it's a it's a whole process and it's never determined by one person and the role of the mentor in this case is is very small right so so if we think about upper elementary for example all the guides talk together about all the children yes actually every day in the whole school, so children's house, lower and upper elementary, the two guides who worked in the morning together every day sit together for 15 minutes. We call it the 15-minute meeting. And in that meeting, every day, three children are being discussed very briefly. It's just a, we go from A to Z. So all children will pass and then we start at the top again. And it could be just as simple as, you know, in the last uh, two weeks, I noticed that he's really into this area and oh yeah I've noticed that too or it could be something you know I noticed that he's struggling uh, with this other child have you noticed that as well so we go over the children very briefly Mm -hmm. Um, if a child needs more um, more to be talked about we use that um, we we take that to a class meeting which they have once a week it's a little bit of a longer meeting and then all three guides are present right or four guides sometimes in a class but every day, ch- there are children being discussed with the guides among each other, and they make notes. And that is how we talk and follow the children. Well, that's amazing, because I remember the story of Nick. And he was making this point so strongly, and it, it was for me really like, wow, I never thought of that. Mm. He was talking about how important it is that multiple, uh, you know, that the child has access to multiple teachers. Mm-hmm. Because having only one person, you know, it's like perhaps there is no click or whatever. So the fact that you know, the way you're describing this is that in a way the entire community of teachers is taking care of all the children. Yes. I think that's uh, very powerful. Yeah. And it, and sometimes, you you know, you have a blind side for certain things that, that the child is doing or you were not there that day. And you, uh, we all together need to make the progress report for the children. So we want to make registrations in Emmerich. So all these things, like the observations that we have daily, the meetings that we have with with our colleagues, constantly everything is around the children. And that's what we use to measure their progress. Yeah. If I have to summarize, the the standardized test at the end of uh, primary school is only going to measure math, uh, reading, comprehensive reading, something else? Yeah, I. it is actually, literally, it's three things. It's math, mm-hmm. it's comprehensive reading, and it's something they called taalverzorging, which means language 
um, I don't even know how you would say taking care of the language, and it involves spelling and interpunction. You know when you oh, I see. when you write exclamation marks and how you spell words and stuff. So yeah. those three areas are being measured, and the the one that actually counts the strongest because of course they have these. Um, formulas <laughs> they have these formulas in oh, those yeah, companies yeah, yeah. and uh, the the highest the one that counts the most is comprehensive reading oh i see and that is because you need comprehensive reading to open any textbook right if you want to do geography you know you need to understand what it says ah. so the spelling is the least important yeah and i'm very happy about that because in my personal opinion i think spelling is something that will develop past elementary yeah and uh, the elementary brain or the elementary child i think is not completely ready to comprehend the whole spelling thing so i'm, I'm happy that is not the biggest determinator and uh, right. and math is of course also valuable but comprehensive reading is the one that counts the most wow but that is super cool to know that you know that you have these three areas and they have weights yes in in the final score but you know, that final score on the test, if it's low and the guide, the, the teacher disagrees, then uh, the child can go to a higher level because what really leads is the opinion of the, te the teacher. Yes. And it's also very important uh, for me that you pointed out that, yeah, being good in, in that standardized test because these are the... the um, skills that we can measure that doesn't guarantee that your child is ready to go to a higher level mm -hmm. because uh, indeed there is the aspect of being able to reflect to learn from mistakes to have the resilience etc and uh, you are telling me we are very keen at casa into seeing the potential and we we don't uh, block the child you know because perhaps he needs to go to high school he needs to have certain amount of challenge to develop that mm -hmm. And, and the parents have to understand this part that we are not quantifying, it also matters for the level. Mm -hmm. It's not just what we can quantify. No. And actually, we, we actually can contribute as not just as CASA, but also as parents to develop those skills. Um, it's really nice to maybe listen to a podcast of uh, Carol Dreck or read her books because she talks about something called, she calls it grit. And... Um, it really is teaching children to overcome challenging, challenge, challenging things. And as parents, we have to start very young to give children these opportunities to learn from their mistakes and actually to overcome these things. If we are always like making the path in front of them like super smooth, yeah. they will not... Be, they will not be able to solve problems or deal with like struggles if we always take these struggles away from them. So it's super important to give them the opportunity because otherwise you just rob them of the opportunity to learn. I couldn't agree more. And uh, perhaps to wrap it up, mm -hmm. um, I think another aspect that is probably going to be important for parents that are uh, leaving primary school mm -hmm. is, okay, I was in this Montessori school, now I have to go to another high school. What could be a good match? Can, can you give advice to parents on this? Yes, uh, it, we're lucky in, uh, in Pijnakker because we are in a big uh, circle of cities around us with a lot of uh, high schools. So we have The Hague, we have Zoetermeer, Delft, Pijnakker, Berkel, Bergsehoek. We have a lot of choices that can be very overwhelming. 
we advise the, ch uh, the parents to maybe choose two or three schools and as parents make a pre-selection for your child. If your child is 11 or 12, he has no clue what he needs. Yeah. He has no clue what's good for them. Their judgment is sometimes based on there was gum under the table or this guy was really nice to me. Yeah. But that doesn't say anything about the school. So just as you chose your child's elementary school, you as a parent need to do a pre-selection on high schools that you think are good for your children. And then you take your children there and you then together explore what is good. Now, if you have no clue where to start, it's very wise to ask the guide, what do you think is a good school for my child? What do you think it fits his interests or uh, his potential or, you know, the distance from, from home, all these things. And, and we can definitely advise you on that because we have a lot of knowledge from the schools. And I think we have a pretty clear picture on what children need. Well, Jetteke, seriously, thank you so much. You're welcome. Because I think it has been so informative. I'm very, you know, hopeful that parents will feel much better, much better informed to deal with this uh, new phase in their lives and the life of their children. And of course, questions are welcome, etc. We may need to do more follow-ups to go into the details. For example, when you were talking about the testing, how this is done in children's house, lower elementary, upper. But I feel overall this is a good primer and especially giving a good impression of what the school is about, what you care about. I think that has been very well articulated here. So thank you very much. You're welcome. And um, I'm looking forward to come back for more. And this, my dear listeners, marks the end of the first season of the Casa Stories podcast. Wait, what? But it was so gezellig. It was, wasn't it, Alicia? Hopefully, we will be back soon with more episodes. But for now, I just want to take the opportunity to thank you, my dear listeners, for taking the time to listen, but also for giving me feedback by email and even approaching me in person to share your support. And don't forget the podcast guests. I can imagine that it wasn't easy for them to speak in English. Absolutely. So let's finish this episode, shall we? Hasta pronto! Hasta pronto.